The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. It's Matt Slick Live. Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at CARM.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, but welcome to the show. Today is a nice Friday, January 19th. 2024 for the podcasters. As usual, if you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. And uh, I want to hear from you. Give me a call. If you want, you can also email me at info at carm.org. Info at carm.org. C-A-R-M dot O-R-G. And uh, put in the subject line radio question or radio comment and I can get to them. As a matter of fact, I'm looking at some of them right now. In fact, if you want, you know, just to do this, you could just uh, you could just email and say, uh, you know, hey Matt, uh, like the show, whatever, and give me your first name and uh, or if you want, you know, first and last name, whatever, and I'll re- say it over the air. You can hear your <laughs> you can hear yourself over the air. How about that? That'd be fun if anybody wants to do that. Um, so anyway, and also on on, uh, on Fridays, I often do hate mail and uh, wacko mail. So we've got some of that. Not too much. We're getting, getting a little bit low on, on some hate mail, um, but I think we can muster up some. And if you're a newbie, you're not sure what the show is about. I'm a Christian apologist, which means I defend the Christian faith, and I do debates and write books and do radio and stuff like that. And Matt Slick is my real name, uh, and it works out perfectly for radio. So we call it Matt Slick Live and uh, stuff like that. So I hope you're going to be interested in what we had to say today. Uh, so last night I was in a discussion in uh, on the net um, with uh, uh, on Discord. It's an interesting situation because I, I went into a room and oh, I was paged to go in, join a server, go in there, because the Roman Catholics and the Eastern Orthodox are just going in there and... Uh, just pillaging uh, people theologically, trying to make them think that uh, they are um, the way, the truth, and the life, and things like that. Joanne Hayes says, hey, Matt, like the show. Joanne and my Matt. That's what you see right there. There's one right there. If you want to email me, uh, I can read it over the air. It'll be fun. So um, I was in there, and uh, I ended up leaving after a couple of hours, just going, okay, I'm done here. Uh, We'll see what happens. Because one of the rules was you can't say that a religion is false. <laughs> Going, what? Are you supposed to be a Christian server? And uh, I said, but that's ridiculous. <laughs> Islam is false. Not supposed to say that. <laughs> Are you kidding me? So I'm not. I said, let me get this straight. I'm not supposed to say that Islam is not a Christian religion and it's not a true religion or Mormonism. I can't say what it really says and, and say that people who believe it you know are are lost i'm not supposed to say that and uh, that was a general consensus according to the rules <laughs> i'll see you guys later so if they want to go in there and just have conversations where um they can just pat each other on the back about everything and ambivalence and relativism and all that then they can do that but maybe they're going to alter things because they did want me in there uh, they wanted me in there so I, I can't play by those rules, though. I got to be able to say, no, Mormonism is false. You know, Islam is a false religion. You know, Catholicism is uh, it leads to damnation. You know, I need to be able to say those things. Now they can say, well, you're wrong. Okay, well, I'm wrong. You tell me how I'm wrong. Let's let's talk about it. 
But uh, anyway, so that was that. So if you are interested in participating in the chat room stuff that we do here during a radio show, all you have to do is go to rumble.com forward slash Matt Slick Live, all one word. M-A-T-T-S-L-I-C-K, live, L-I-V-E, all one word, and you can get in there to the chat uh, room. And uh, we have 29 in there right now, uh, but it usually goes up to 60, 70, 80, 90. And then there are people on uh, Facebook and uh, Twitter and things like that who watch, and I don't know about all the messaging going back to whatever. But anyway, that's what we do. And so you can join us if you want to do that. And... If you actually have a theological question, Bible question, some other question, uh, you can give me a call and we can talk, 877-207-2276. Okay, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to uh, get into um, radio questions, but I've got a radio question here, someone Scott sent in, and I'm not going to tell you what it is because it's a really good question and I have to look at it. Um, and it's out of a certain uh, verse out of Second Kings. So I got that, and I saw that. I'm like, wow, i got to go check that out and, and do a, an in-depth examination. haven't done it yet, so can't comment, but there you go. So uh, let's see, let's see. Yeah, got all these emails that come in. And uh, there's the inbox there. So... Uh, Let's see. Here's a question. Yeah, I get the question right now. Do hate? Now I'm gonna do hate mail instead. Hate mail. I like hate mail. Let me see what this hate mail is. Uh, yeah. Oh, that reminds me. Someone else sent me a a uh, said I need to check out Catherine Crick. Catherine Crick. So I'll be checking her out. The reason I'm, I'm reminded of her instantly is because of the question about Joyce Meyer. And uh, as I've said before over the air, Joyce Meyer, is, uh, she has taught heresies. Don't know if she's repented or not from those heresies, but she's actually taught some serious heresy. And uh, Catherine Crick, people are saying, you've got to watch her. She's whacked. So, you know, I, I like it. And I was telling somebody as I, I was looking, <laughs> I was telling them, that uh, I feel like a cat behind a window when the outside is a bird. You know, you have those cats do that. They go <laughs> like that. They, 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 they want to get to that bird, but they can't. That's how I am with heresy sometimes. Like, God, I got to get it. And uh, I got so much to do that, uh, you know, I'd like to be able to just put caution tape, police do, tape, do not cross, you know, and just uh, just sit up here in the office and, and study for 12 hours, you know, about somebody like that. To me, that's a good idea. That's a good time. For some other reason, people like uh, doing things like, which is beyond me. It's like to, to sit in front of a TV and watch football. I'm like, what the? Why? I don't, I don't get it. And uh, they'll watch uh, golf. Wow. And uh, so I, I can't fathom that one either. And basketball, you know, uh, basketball they just run back and forth there you go you know and people are like well yeah yeah I'm like okay <laughs> i'm gonna go read the bible that's just me i'm not saying i was more spiritual or anything than anybody else feel like that it just never connected with me just never did and um i do not know why i brought that up <laughs> but i did my brain went someplace 
But looks, looks like it went to a dead end. That's all right. So, hey, hold on. There, clear my throat. All right, so I ended up on your website after a quick Google search on Joyce Meyer. I just I saw clickbait. I've read this before, but I like it. Regarding the women my mother used to listen to, so I decided to do a quick search. Joyce Meyer controversy. The article was ridiculous. <laughs> Oh, I love that stuff. The points made were so petty, and the doctor nitpicking is a big reason I never inherited the engulfing hold Christianity has had over my mother. Well, you just don't know what the truth is about the issue of Christianity, so you're speaking out of out of uh, an area you just don't know. You don't know what the issues are, so I'm mean, going see why you see it. It's a waste of time on earth. Oh, so he's just condemning all of Christianity now. I know you have your faith, and God bless you for it. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What? So uh, he he wants to reject Christianity, but he says, God bless you. You know, as, I remember, I remember uh, I got an email once, and um, how did it end? It ended like that. And this, this email was full of just just hatred you know you're an idiot you're a moron you couldn't argue your way out of a wet paper bag i've seen glaciers be- think better than you you know it goes on your exegesis is horrible and it says god bless have a nice day <laughs> like what so it was uh it was really caught me off guard i was cracking up at that one i said you were doing so well and what happened you know so uh any rate um he says as for me i am more joyous than ever i've left biblical thinking in the past where it belongs <laughs> I guess. Wow. That leave biblical thinking away. Yeah. Like loving your neighbor, you know, being honest, being faithful to your, your wife, your husband, doing a good job at your uh, good work, days work at your job, not cheating anybody on anything, you know, helping the, the, the people who need help. You know, yeah, just leave all that stuff behind. Yeah. What, what you going to put in place of it? You know, oh, man. Let's see. And then I read your little spat about Wicca on your website. I found it very uninformed, to be honest. You deem it a form of satanic worship, and it is. But uh, in fact, it honors the earth, the skies, the moon, and the sun. It honors them. Okay, now let me, let me put this into practical language here. Let's see. Wait, I'm with this person. And uh, we're out in the wilderness, in a forest. And I'm going to ask this Wiccan uh, a, per, a, a question. I'm going to say, see that tree over there? Yes. Could you go honor it? I want to watch you honor it. What do you do? Oh, and then there's all the, on the way, there's a rock. Could you honor the rock, please? Go ahead. I'm going to watch you do that. You honor them? Look, if I honor, uh, you know, somebody for an accomplishment, I'm going to praise them. You're, you know, you did a good job, and blah blah blah, and, and uh, really think that uh, you're quite capable, etc. So, what do you do? Talk to a rock? Okay, rock. You know what? I think you're awesome. Yeah, I like the way the uh, kind of the colors are there, and uh, I like the fact that it's nice and hard, and uh, I think you do a good job of stubbing people's toes when they when they kick it. And uh, also, I saw a squirrel on it earlier, so that's good. Uh, so I'm honoring you because, you know, uh, it's a good rock. Okay, now hold on, I'm going to go over to the tree. And you walk over to the tree, and uh, you go, Hey, tree, I honor you. Uh, nice bark. Ha, 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 ha. What else? Uh, oh, yeah, hey, uh, you can't go anywhere, even though you have, you can leave. Uh, well, what would you be saying? You know, I mean, how do you honor? 
How do you honor objects like that? Oh, well. Hey, let's get to Jason from Salt Lake City. Jason, welcome. You're on the air. Hi, Matt. Hey, how you doing, buddy? uh, Good. I just had a question or, or more of a clarification, really, about the imputation of Christ's righteousness that we receive because he lived a perfect life and the atonement um, by his suffering and death on the cross. I guess I've always kind of been a little bit confused as to whether or not um, I am righteous in Christ because he died for me or I'm righteous in Christ because the perfect life that he lived has been imputed to me. It seems like if his perfect life has been imputed to me, he wouldn't need to die for me because when God the Father looks on me, he sees the righteousness of Christ. So I think there's just a little bit of a clarification there that I'm missing. All right, so let's look at the Old Testament temple and and the objects that were in the temple. They built the temple, and uh, but God's presence wasn't in it yet. And what they had to do in order to make it worthy of being indwelt by God is they offered an animal sacrifice, and they took the blood, and they went in and sprinkled it on varying objects and things like that. And so then the shed blood made the temple capable of being dwelt by God. When we get back to the break, we'll move this into what Christ did for us. Okay? So hold on, man. we got a break. Hey, folks, we'll be right back after these messages. We have three open lines. If you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. We'll be right back. Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone, if you want to give me a call, all you have to do is dial 877-207-2276. And uh, please just give me a call. There you go. All right, let's get back to Jason. Hey, Jason, are you still there? Yes. All right, so I was just going to the Old Testament because that's a, a familiar um, actuality that God instituted. And so we are the ones who are now the temple of God, that he would dwell among us and within us. And so he does, he lives in us, and Jesus is the high priest who offered a sacrifice on our behalf to God the Father. And so we are now cleansed and God indwells us. So the blood of Christ, the sacrifice of Christ, removes our sin. It cleanses us. You with me? Yes. Now, Jesus lived under the law, Galatians 4.4, 4, and he never sinned, First Peter 2.22. So we call that his active obedience. The sacrifice of Christ we call his passive obedience. Passive is in that he just led to the cross. They took him there. They lifted him up on the cross. You know, they nailed him to it. And so that's the passive obedience. That's where our sin was imputed to him. The sin of the elect was imputed to Christ. And so uh, his blood shed cleanses us and makes us worthy, so to speak, by the cleansing of his blood, to be indwelt by God. Okay, that's the uh, 
the the active obedience, the, uh, the, the, excuse me, the passive obedience. The active obedience is he kept that law. In Philippians three nine, I'm going to read it to you. It says this. Uh, I'll go back one verse. More th- go to that verse eight. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ, and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. So we have a righteousness that comes from God that is granted to us. Most theologians, I agree, uh, say that it's the righteousness of Christ, because he's God in flesh, that is imputed to us by faith. That's called justification. Justification is the legal declaration of righteousness. And as Romans 4.3 says, Abraham believed God, it was credited to him as righteousness. And Romans 4.5 says, to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. So the righteousness that comes from Christ fulfilling the law is granted to us by faith. And that's his uh, active obedience to us. And uh, his passive obedience is what cleanses us. So, long story short, The shed blood of Christ cleanses us and makes us indwellable by God. And upon faith, the righteousness of Christ is granted to us, and uh, we're cleansed and clothed. We're stripped and clothed. We're stripped from sin and clothed in righteousness, to put it bluntly in a short way. Okay? Okay, thank you. that help? Yeah, I, I think so. I think I've always just kind of been a little bit confused about why, you know, if if we have Christ's righteousness from his, as you called it, active obedience, why the passive obedience needed to occur. But you're saying um, it's it's uh, in the same vein, as it were. Yeah. They're both. Well, required. think of it. Think of it as the blood of Christ wipes you clean, makes you naked. Your everything's gone yeah. from you. The righteousness of Christ clothes clothes you, and this language is actually used in the Bible. We're clothed in righteousness, and so just right. think of it that way. You, two things have to happen: got to be stripped away and redressed. Okay. Okay. All right. That's what happens. Thank you. All right, man. God bless. Okay. All right. That was a good call. Let's get to Braden from. Oklahoma. Hey, Braden, welcome. You're on the air. Awesome. Hey, Matt. Uh, I just want to say thank you for taking the call. Um, sure. And uh, this question, uh, I don't want it to seem like I'm trying to debate because I'm not trying to debate. I'm just trying to figure some stuff out um, with, with Scripture. So okay. my question is in regard of uh, Galatians chapter 6, starting at verse 7. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Forever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap, well, from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So, from my just looking at this and my understanding, that's our obligation to sow to the Spirit, because if we don't, we will reap, you know, corruption. And I, since he's talking about eternal life there, in some translations it says everlasting, would he not be talking about hell? 
All right. So uh, let's look at the context, okay? It's one of the first things we won't okay. always want to do, all right? Yes, sir. So we'll just go to Gen- or Galatians 6 1. We'll just start there. Brethren, if yep. anyone is caught in, a tr- in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. So he's talking about the brothers and sisters in Christ and about helping others mm-hmm. and being careful. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and then he'll have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. So right there, you know the boasting is not about boasting before God. You know, if you're looking at your right. work, you, you can you can say, I've been doing this right and wrong. Not that we're boasting, but, uh, you know, okay. And he says, for each one will bear his own load. So what he's talking about here is that we have to watch out for one another, but you're responsible for your own actions, your own deeds and sayings, etc. And he goes on, the one who has taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, this will also reap. So now what we see is the context is dealing with the people He's already told, you have to know what you're doing, help others, but watch out, be careful. It's about what they do in relationship to others and uh, just being watchful and, and stuff like that. And don't be deceived. Okay, Wherever you sow, you're going to reap. So he's talking to both sides, those who are going to help and those who are going to be helped. For the one who sows to his flesh, from his flesh will reap corruption. But to the one who sows to the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. All right, now, we might be able to say that the corruption is damnation because of juxtaposition, where the corruption right. results in death, eternal death. And if you sow to the flesh, in other words, you serve the sinful passions and desires, you're on your way to hell. But if you're sowing to the Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit's work in you, you're on your way to heaven. He's not saying that these are the works that you do to get to those places. He's saying that mm. at least, well, the first one, there's a yes to it because everybody who doesn't go to heaven goes to hell because, well, they rejected Christ and their sin is just an anchor that drags them down. But it's not so with the Spirit because the Spirit can only be in us if we're redeemed by faith. And if you, as a Christian, sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap the things of eternal life that are good. And hold on, we got a break, so hold on, okay? Okay. Hey, folks, be right back after these messages. If you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. We'll be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. If you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. All right, Braden, are you still there? Yes, sir. All right. I don't know if what I said helped. Uh, let me just see where you're at yes. on that. Did it help any? Yes, it did. It did help. The um, So you're saying, from what I gather from what you were saying, was when it says that, uh, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life so you do agree that he's talking to born-again believers and that mm-hmm. instead of this specifically talking about um everlasting life in the context of salvation it's talking about reaping 
things more so like the abundant life that a Christian would have if they were to, you know, abide in Jesus. Yeah, it's like that. Notice it says he. It says eternal life, but notice also says reap to the Spirit. That's not your own Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. Right. So how do you reap, or how do you uh, sow to the Spirit? Sowing and reaping. Notice the, uh, the the phraseology. And there's other phraseology that goes along like that in reaping and harvesting that Paul uses. So it looks like what's going on is that you're you're doing the things that are godly. And the result is eternal life. Not that you get it by your works, but this is what sowing. You sow to the to God, from God you're going to reap good. But, excuse me, it's not that it's a one-for-one one earning, because the Bible clearly says we're saved without any works, and not by our works. But our mm-hmm. works are important. And also, Galatians is written to a bunch of people who are mixed up with unbelievers and false teachers and Judaizers. So what Paul's going to do is he's going to write generically to a lot of people, hey, you sow to the flesh, you're going to read damnation, corruption. You sow to the spirit, you're going to be okay. Well, is he saying you earn those? Where are you? How are you living? What is your goal? And there's a consequence to those to the goal of what you're saying. And this is uh, what's going on, okay? Awesome. Well, I really appreciate it. That definitely helps uh, bring out the context a little better than I was bringing it out. So I really appreciate it. Okay, sure. Okay. Sounds good. All right, buddy. Well, God bless. Okay. Yeah, God bless you. Thank you. All right. Well, we have nobody waiting. If you want to give me a call, all you have to do is dial 877 All right. I think I'm going to get back to some uh, hate mail. And uh, so back to this Wicca thing. Uh, you know, Wicca is interesting because uh, you know they uh, they teach honoring creation, and they go out. There's different kinds of Wicca, and they'll go out into the wilderness, into a forest, and they get into a circle. They dance. They have a fire. They do things, and they pray to Mother Earth. You know, it's just uh, they can. Uh, kind of invent their own gods that they're going to follow, decide which one they're going to follow. It is so self-serving. And I've talked to Wiccan before, and I've said, okay, well, look, let me ask you, you know, do you, are the gods that you, you believe in, are they actually real? And sometimes I'll say, yes. And sometimes I'll say, well, no, not really. I just serve them. Which makes no sense whatsoever. But yet, a lot of them will do that. It's just, it's whacked. Anyway, he goes on, um, he goes on, he says, I think Bill Mayer said it perfectly. Christians find themselves superior to others because they have a book that says a man named Jesus was put on the earth to die for his sins. See, when someone says something like that, I'd love it to debate Bill Mayer, uh, you know, and have that be a, a thing we can work on. Oh, we have a book. It's just a book. That's all it is. And a book just said it, so therefore it's true. And that's why we're better than everybody else. That's a misrepresentation of what uh, the Bible uh, is teaching. And people will often boil something down to such a degree that they miss what the actual teaching is, and they don't care to be corrected. They don't care to to uh, grow, and that's the case there. Just because I have a book, some guy named Jesus, right? It's not like that. 
it's the prophecies of the Old Testament that mathematically, uh, basically, it's impossible that Jesus had fulfilled them. He walked on water. He did a lot of miraculous things in front of eyewitnesses, and they wrote this down. This is what we have in that. It's not just some book. So when they say they uh, percolate everything down to one little sentence, it's a misrepresentation. It's gross. It's a gross misrepresentation. And he says, uh, when he asked the Christian woman, he said, no, I don't find myself superior. I see myself as being full and trying to help the hunger. His response is, I'm not hungry. See, this is st stupid stuff. You're not hungry. Well, uh, okay, you're not hungry. Are you helping others who are not hungry? Are you helping people who are hungry? Are you helping anybody else, Mr. Mayor? What are you doing? You get on here on the news or whatever. You want to give your opinions. Okay, well, how are you helping people? You know, it's just these these arrogant, self-righteous uh, morons. All right, let's get to uh, Bruce from Syracuse. Bruce, welcome. You are out. I mean, Hi, Matt. How you doing today? I'm doing all right. How you doing today, Matt? Matt? Doing all right. Good, man. good. I don't have my Bible in front of me, so I don't know the exact verses. You'll do better than me. Mm -hmm. Okay, so yeah, I, yeah. I know that we are strictly saved by grace. And that God yeah. sanctifies us, to, and he, he asks us to do good works. He expects that from us. But that's not how we earn our salvation or maintain it. But if, when you get in Revelations, when, when uh, Jesus is talking, I think it was the Ephesians, and he says, unless you go back to doing the things you were doing at the start, then you're lukewarm, and I'm going to spit you out. And that almost makes it sound to me like you're saying, you'll have no part of me. You will not be saved. And I don't know if I'm under, I'm not sure how to understand that. Yes. It says uh, to the angel of Laodicea, Revelation 3. And I've been to Laodicea, okay. by the way. I, just bragging. Okay. You can brag a little bit. Uh, the Amen, the faithful, true witness, the beginning of the creation of God says this, I know your deeds, that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were hot or cold. So because you're lukewarm and either hot or cold, I'll spit you out of my mouth. So in the area there is, uh, they had streams that were hot and, and stuff that were cold. We went, while we were in Turkey, did, you know, years ago, we went to these springs and some were hot, some were cold. It was really interesting. So what do you do when something is just kind of lukewarm? It's neither hot nor cold. And you used cold water for one thing, you used hot water for another. But this lukewarm stuff, no one really wanted it. And and the idea was it wasn't usable. So he's just saying, I'll spit you out. And that's all that's going on there, okay? He'll just spit you out. Yeah, but, he, tells, he tells them to go back to doing what they were in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's right. Now, you understand, it's a church. Now, in that church, and, and when I talk about Laodicea, I can actually remember walking down the main road of the ruins of Laodicea and seeing uh, how it was you know, uh, twisted by the earthquakes and land formation over the centuries and going over to a big room and looking down into it and, and all the stuff, and then houses of people. And there were lots of, of foundations uh, of houses that were about 20 by 20, uh, a lot of them about that size, okay? And we could see all this stuff. The point is that there's a lot of people there back in that day. There was a lot of people, hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands. So in this mixture of people who, where there was a lot of commerce, there would be also a lot of sin. The church that was filled with the Christians there would also be in the midst of unbelief. 
in Laodicea. So the pressures of the unbelievers could creep in to well, the good people, let's just say. And the church there could become weak. The church could become a little compromising. You're neither hot or cold. I'm going to spit you out as a church, as a blessing. Now, notice what it says in verse 14. To the angel of the church, write this. Well, the, there, it looks like what's going on is that there are angelic, uh, well, angels, I'll just put it this way. Angels that are given dominion or charge over certain churches and geographical location, locations, because Laodicea is a location, like Ephesus is. We went to Ephesus too. Which, in fact, we went to all seven churches of Revelation, and there will be angels of each one. So why is, this is a question I have, I'm not sure what to, what to say about it, the, it's to the angel of the church write this, amen, the faithful, I know your deeds. What? It's to the angel, the, the deeds? But it looks like what's going on is that the angel is the representative of that church. And so it's being written to the Laodicean church. And you need to come back, you need to repent, you need to become zealous, you need to, to uh, do the things that are right as a proper a group of, of real believers is supposed to do. He's warning them. You need to do that. Okay? And that's all that's going right. on. Right. It sounds like the conse consequence, though, when he says, I will spit you out, that sounds like, and it sounds like they would be losing their place with God. They would be losing their salvation when he says that. I don't, I don't know how else to interpret that. Oh, well, uh, it doesn't say to lose their salvation, but we spit them out. They're not with God. It would mean that those who were bad will be manifested, but those who are good are going to be eternally uh, saved. He's talking generically to the Laodicean church, which is a mixture of both. Get it together, he's saying. Hey, hold on. we got a break, okay? Hey, folks, we'll be right back after these messages. If you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. Be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the show. All right, let's get back on the air with Bruce. Bruce, are you still there? Yes, sir. All right, now, there's a little bit more to talk about in here, in the text. Because you're talking about Revelation 3.16, uh, you know, they'll spit you out. And then look at verse 17. Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Let me ask you, does that sound like a bunch of saved people? Well, it doesn't sound like it, but I've, I've, we've both seen people that have got to a point where they compromise so much that you just can't even see the difference. Yes, and the Bible says in First John. I would John say two. no. I would, I would, I would say that they probably he's probably talking to people that aren't saved. Yeah, but That's it sounds doing. like they they're already in his position in his possession because well, he says go go back to what go back to what you were doing in the beginning, or I will spit you out. So in other words, he's already they're already in his possession, or else he wouldn't be able to spit them out. Okay, well let's think. Okay. A church, okay. let's just say there's 500 people in this church in Laodicea. Let's just say it. It's going to be mixed with all kinds of people, uh, saved and unsaved, people of different degrees of knowledge. There could be people who are attending and 
professing to be Christian when they're not really. This could all kinds of variables could be there. And so the overall action and health of that church is being compromised. So you could say there are real believers in there and there are false believers in there and they're mixed up. How do you write a letter to distinguish? It's a tough one. So right. Yeah. He goes on, he says, you know, the church as a whole. He's not saying each individual, but the church as a whole. You need, you need to do this. You know, you have need of nothing. You don't know that you're me miserable and poor, blinded and naked. Well, does that mean that the people who are true believers in that bad church are blind and naked and wretched and miserable? Well, of course not. So it can't be that he's talking about every individual here. It's, talk it's a generic address. He just says, I advise to you that you buy from me gold and refine by fire so that you may become rich. What? So wait, he's not saying, do you buy salvation here, is he? Buy no, no. From gold and no, he's just saying he's got a whole lot to offer this world doesn't have. Right. That's right. He's talking and about white garments. Gifts and spiritual blessings. Mm -hmm. uh, right, he says in right. white garments so that you can clothe your sanctification. You may clothe right. You have white garments so you may clothe yourself that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed in eye salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. So this is highly symbolic, very symbolic. As if you were in Laodicea, and I could just sit there, I mean, I could go back to the place in my memory and be sitting in one of the, in like this area that we had to walk up the stairs and go to this thing. I could see the letter being read to a bunch of people right there. For those who are trusting in Christ completely, they're not going to have the, be affected the same way as those who are being bad and doing stuff. Then you realize, oh my goodness, I better shape up. It was going. This kind of, of letter as a address is generically to a group of people in which are good and bad, saved, not saved, and it's aimed at getting their act together at different levels at the same time. Okay. Okay. Because. Well, it gives me some things to chew on. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And see, the Bible says we can't lose our salvation. Jesus says in John 10, 27, 28, my sheep hear my voice. I give eternal life to them and they shall never perish. John three sixteen, 16, uh, you know, you, uh, God shall love the world. He gave his only begotten son. Whoever would believe would have everlasting life and never perish. So Jesus equates uh, eternal life with never perishing. That's how he does. The will of the Father is that Jesus lose none, John 6, 38, 39. That's the will of the Father, that Jesus lose none. Jesus can't fail to do the will of the Father. And there's all kinds of stuff like this. But what we see are things like, hey, you better run the race right. You better watch out here. You better make sure of this. You better make sure of that. Because that's what you would do if you're talking to a bunch of people mixed up with believers and unbelievers, and you want them to act right. But what Paul could have done, or John in this case could have done, is named individuals at Laodicea. But why would he do that? Because if it's going to be inspired to the church, well, then it only applies to that individual. And it wouldn't make sense. So it's got to be a generic kind of a thing, and that's what's going on. Okay? Okay. All right. Well, that gives me plenty to chew on that. All right. I, have, I really appreciate lose. all your time, buddy. All right. But let me tell you, you can't lose your salvation. All right? You can't. Because, for one thing, Jesus canceled the sin debt at the cross, Colossians 2.14. Did he cancel all of their sin or only parts of it? Can someone go into Christ and be saved? 
without all their sin having been canceled, all their future sins? Well, of course not. And all right, said, this, this is wolf. how I've always believed. I read things like this, and it confuses me. That okay, that's all right. And then you have the clear verses you need to hold up high, and the not so clear like this. You don't use them to interpret the clear verses. There's a gen general principle of biblical interpretation. You use the clear verses to interpret the not so clear. And, you know, I just say it. Revelation is a symbolic book, and Revelation 3, Laodicea, yeah. is full of symbolism. Hot water, cold water. You're rich. Uh, you say you're being wealthy. You're miserable and poor. You're blind. You want white garments. Buy from me gold. You know, all these are symbols that mean stuff. And right, uh, right. since we know that we we can't lose our salvation, so what's going on here? He's addressing the church as a whole and trying to shake it up, get it together, act right. And it would even apply to those who are truly saved who might have one foot in the world. Get it together, folks. Yeah, they would because, be compromised. If you get too many unbelievers in a church, everyone starts mm -hmm. to get compromised to, to an yeah. extent, it seems like. Yes. And if that was the case, if people were seeing miraculous things happening in the Laodicean church, unbelievers are going to flock in there, and it's like leaven. It's going to leaven everything. Right. So right. the yeah. whole church could become compromised. In fact, you know, think about it. For example, Joel Osteen's church, full of leaven full of compromise yeah. and it doesn't mean that every individual there is not saved or everyone is saved if we're to write a letter of correction let's say you and I are going to write a letter you know the letter from Bruce and Matt to the church in Houston you know and uh, we wrote you have a big church you're very successful everything's going great but you know what you're selling false uh, garments we, we you know, again we're saying oh you're selling false garments you know, and people think that they are clothed in righteousness when they are not we all will spit you out well oh so it, we, we we can see how that that works it doesn't mean every individual in there is uh is like that but it's a generic statement of the whole You're right okay yeah 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 okay yeah that seems to make a little bit of sense so all right, Matt. Good. I'm going to let you go, and thank you so much for your time, brother. appreciate it. Hey, no problem at all, bros. God bless, man. All right. All right. Keep it up. Bye. Okay. okay. So, as you may know, there are seven churches, and one of them is Smyrna, right? And the seven churches of Revelation. I believe that's... Uh, so, uh, let me check something out here. Uh, because I got a little story, Okay. Excuse me. All right, there we go. So, uh, which one was it? It was Smyrna. I do believe it was. Years ago, this is kind of funny, uh, there was in Turkey, because all the seven churches are in the, the state of the country of Turkey. And so, uh, years ago, I went to there and saw Ephesus. And, uh, you know, it, it, Ephesus is just, it's amazing. It's amazing. Laodicea is amazing, too. But, um, some of the places are just a, a small little thing, you know, 50 feet by 50 feet. There's a, uh, it's just a, an, an ancient kind of an arch. That kind of a stuff is there. But anyway, it doesn't matter. So in Smyrna, there's a town there, and I think it was Smyrna. I, I believe it was. 
it doesn't really matter. So I got this email from somebody from Turkey, and, they, and it was in English, and they said, uh, in English, they said, look, we took your your article, whatever it was, I forgot which, and they translated it into Turkish, and they read it in the church at Smyrna. And it was just awesome, because I started thinking, hey, the letter of Slick to the church of Smyrna. And I got a kick out of that, because, uh, you know, I'm smiling when I say it. But it was really nice to hear that. Um, and I got a, a nice joke. All right, all right. Hey, we have, uh, let's see, about three, four minutes left in the show. just want to remind you guys that we stay on the air by your support, financial, and prayerful, too. We do need your prayerful support. Uh, this is a spiritual battle. And there are things going on. We know that CARM is being blacklisted from certain things. We know that Christianity as a whole is being negatively uh, dealt with by search engines and things like that. Uh, we've had various attacks and various threats and you know it's just stuff so we need prayer because the prayers help us thwart those they help deal with the spiritual battles that we need and so when you're praying for us you're helping in ways we'll never even know until we get to heaven and maybe the lord will say yeah when someone was praying you know the angels went and this and that we, we don't know but we need your prayer for support. We also need your financial support. And if you want to help us out financially, all you have to do is go to karm.org forward slash donate. And all the information you need is right there. Now, prayerful stuff is what we really do need because that's where the power is. And if you need prayer and you have prayer needs, you can just email us at prayer at karm.org and there's a prayer team and it's run by Joanne and she's a sweetie and what uh, she does is she takes a prayer request and she sends it out to the prayer team and this is really nice and people will literally pray for you and or the situation so as a matter of fact a couple of days ago and I won't give details but a friend of mine called up and it was pretty serious and he said I, I, we need you to pray please get the karm team to pray about and he told me what happened. Oh my goodness! Okay, so I immediately contacted the prayer team leader Joanne and told her, and uh, she had the prayer team going. So we do that kind of stuff, and uh, if you need that prayer, please uh, consider that. And also, please uh, consider supporting us because we do need that financial support. We ask five dollars a month, uh, ten dollars a month. If you go to karm.org forward slash donate, that would be great. All right, Whew. wow, and don't forget. Uh, don't forget that, uh, see, Donitus says, say my name, Matt. <laughs> oh, let's see, did I, uh, did I get to the other emails that people may have call, sent in, uh, just so I could say, say their names and stuff like that. Uh, the, <laughs> <your boy. laughs> wow. Hey, that's a good, good hate mail. I'm going to put that in there. Uh, Love the show from Stephen. Don says, I like the show. And uh, Jeff says, uh, you're a boisterous blowhard baboon. <laughs> you sit on the throat of lies. And he goes, just kidding. Love you. So uh, we do have a lot of fun. And I appreciate the people who uh, enjoy one another. And my, the stupidity that I often uh, <laughs> put out there in stupid voices. So don't you know, we'll be doing that again sometime. <laughs> we'll have a lot of fun. So, uh, hey. I hope you had a good time. I hope you had a good uh, good Friday, and may the Lord bless you this weekend. And by His grace, we're back on the, the air on Monday. So I hope you have a great weekend. Uh, God bless everybody. We'll see you. Bye.
another program powered by the Truth Network.